Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the final word. Good evening, I'm Albie Oxenrider, and welcome to the stunningly spectacular final word. For keeping score at home, this is the show that invites you into the conversation. You can get your opinion on TV right here on Channel 11 every Sunday night. And without any further delay, let's introduce you to tonight's three panelists. Please welcome from 105.9 The X, Mark Madden. Some sad news right off the bat, Albie. Just another heart in need of rescue. Tawny Katane, RIP. And from our partner, DKPittsburghSports.com, Dan Kovacevic. Wait, Albie, what do you mean by stunningly spectacular? Do you not have expectations <laughs> that this will be spectacular? Like, it'll be stunning if that materializes? Just stunning in how spectacular All right. it is. All right. From the Trib, also Steelers radio host, welcome back, Tim Benz. You know, the only thing that was really stunning about today is that the Pirates won a game at Wrigley Field where their 3-4-5 was Ka'ai Tom Jacob Stallings and Eric Gonzalez. You want stunning? That's stunning. Some of the topics we're talking about tonight, we're looking for five words. What internally or externally could stop the Penguins on their Stanley Cup mission? Which opponent do you like better in the first round for the Pens? Bruins or Isles? Tom Wilson, the Rangers statement and fights, inconsistency with suspensions. What will it take for the NHL to get it right? And will it ever happen? Plus, national media having the Steelers at third, maybe fourth in the division. Uh, well, now that the smoke is cleared, where do you have them at this moment in the AFC North? But first, the night's big topic. How do you think the Penguins season would have played out differently had there been no changes in upper management? Mark, start us off. Uh, Albie, it would not have played out one iota differently. And Brian Burke, the director of hockey ops, would be the first to tell you that. In fact, he said that to the media not too long ago, that this was just a good hockey team, and Hexie and I deserve no credit for the way it's come on. Uh, I would say Jim Rutherford might have made a, a few more trades, but the one trade they made that's worked out very well, getting Jeff Carter, was exactly the kind of trade Rutherford so often made. Uh, draft picks for a guy who could help right now, so... I don't think the management switcheroo affected the season one little bit. Day in your take. Well, one one part of the season, though, Mark, whenever the Penguins lost all those forwards to injury, remember that? And it all seemed to happen at one span. And a lot of people, myself included, were like, come on, Hextall, you got to go out and get somebody. you got to go out and get somebody. I am positive Jim, as Mark was just suggesting, would have been proactive and would have made moves there. All Hextall did in that moment was to call up Freddie Goudreau. And at the time, it looked like, seriously, dude, that's all you're going to do here? 
it turned out to be a great move, not just for not messing up the chemistry or anything, because, but because Goodrow has been a great contributor to this team. So I'm, I'm inclined to give them at least a little bit more credit than they're giving themselves. Tim? Yeah, I tend to agree with that last part of Dayon's statement there, which is if Jim Rutherford had stayed around as general manager, I think some more tinkering would have been done. And then you don't know, we don't know how the outcome would have gone with whatever moves Rutherford tried to do. And would he have been in, as inclined to go out and get Carter, who has worked out much better than I ever thought he would, than Hextall was willing to go out and get Carter because Hextall thought and saw how Carter could fit in. All right. Uh, Albie, one more thing. New management might have got some veterans to play the right way by way of wanting to avoid being traded uh, both before this year's deadline and moving forward. And I'm thinking Chris Letang when I say that because he's really played so systemically since the management change. This is fair. A reminder, keep those comments coming. You can find us on Twitter at WPXI Final Word, on Facebook at The Final Word, and now it's time for five words. Give us five words on what internally or externally could stop the Penguins on their Stanley Cup mission. The superstars don't show up. That's from Brian on Facebook. Uh, goaltending, goaltending ours and theirs. And finally, from Twitter, only be stopped by themselves. Mark, Dayan, and Tim, five words. Now, what could stop the Penguins? Mark, you're first. I don't trust the goaltending, and that's no knock on Tristan Jari. But the fact is, he's never won a playoff series. He's only played the one playoff game. So while Tristan Jari's played mostly good this year, there has been inconsistency on his part. And until he does it, until he actually wins in the playoffs, we don't know that he can do it. Day in five words. Uh, Rask goes out of his mind. Uh, I, I look at, at, at the Boston Bruins as the team that probably represents the biggest threat to the Penguins in this division. Um, I know that's not going to be a universal consensus, and I know it's not going to be something that's supported by looking at the standings, but the Bruins were 5-3 and three against Pittsburgh. Uh, Rask is still the class goaltender of the division, and when you're talking about the playoffs, as Mark just suggested, from the Pittsburgh perspective, you're talking about goaltending. That guy's done it before, and he can do it again. Five words, Tim. I'm going to go with that internal option, Albie, and I'll say Pens stop playing systematic hockey. Uh, that's what concerns me, that prospect, because the last two years, for as offensively gifted as the Penguins have been, the puck just hasn't gone in the net, and when the puck doesn't go into the net, they tend to force things, and when they tend to force things, that happens around the blue lines in the neutral zone, that turns into turnovers, turnovers turn into goals. So if they get away from their system-based approach that has been so true to them this season, and to a different degree was true to them in 16 and 17 when they won Stanley Cups, if they get away from that because they have trouble scoring again early, that might be what derails what has otherwise been a train that has gone down the tracks much smoother than I ever could have expected in the regular season for these Penguins. All right. Still to come, which opponent do you like better in the first round for the Penguins? Do you like the Bruins? Do you like the Islanders? And why? From Twitter, I will go against everyone and say Boston. It will be about matchups, but I really feel the third and fourth lines of Pittsburgh are better than Boston. The panel's going to jump in on that topic when the final word continues. This is the final word. 
Welcome back. I'm Albie Auction Rider tonight with Mark Madden, Dan Kovacevic, and Tim Benz. Tim, which opponent do you like better in the first round for the Pens, Bruins or Islanders, and why? Islanders for sure, because I think they've lost some starts as the regular season has gone along. Uh, the departure of Anders Lee due to injury has been a problem for them to overcome. I don't think they've got the injection of uh, enthusiasm and results that maybe the Bruins got from Hall, certainly what the Penguins got from Carter. For all those reasons, I think I would rather see the Islanders as the opponent for the Penguins, not to mention the problems that the Bruins so often tend to pose for Pittsburgh, some of which we've talked about in the last segment, and the be-all, end-all being, and I think Mark and Dayon both alluded to this, when you get the Bruins, you get the guy with the most experienced and the most polished in net in Tuka Rask as your opponent. All right, thanks, Tim. From Twitter, Islanders. Pens were 6-2 and two against them in the regular season, and the Islanders seem to be fading now. Day and you're next. Well, I'll feel a whole lot better about picking Penguins over Islanders, and for that matter, picking the Islanders for this particular answer, if Brandon Tanev and Mike Matheson are healthy. Because what you need more than anything else when you're facing a team that's doing that awful passive trap thing that Barry Trotz does are people who can skate, and I mean skate, through the neutral zone and skate the puck through those guys. That's the reason the Penguins had the success they had against New York in the regular season going 6-2. and two. Matheson can single-handedly blow up the Islanders. In fact, he did it more than once this year. Tanev can do it. Brian Russ can do it. Obviously, the Stars can do it. You need to have all your guys moving. All right, Mark. Boston's a problem because of Tuka Rask in goal, which has often been mentioned. And even though Mike Sullivan, the Penguins coach, he likes the matchup of Crosby's line versus Bergeron's line, I do not. Oh, uh, I, I don't think it's a killer, and I know the Bruins don't have Char to match up against Malkin anymore, but there are problems there uh, with matchups, with Tuka Rask, whereas the Islanders aren't as good as they were two years ago, not nearly when they swept the Penguins. Their defense core isn't as good, and they don't have much punch beyond Matthew Barzal. Uh, if the Penguins and Bruins play, it'll go seven. If the Penguins and Islanders play, it's Penguins in five. All right, let's stay with hockey for one more topic. Uh, okay, Dan, here's your chance. Tom Wilson, <laughs> the Rangers statement, fights, inconsistency with suspensions. What will it take for the league to get it right? Will that ever happen? Yeah, sure. I mean, it can. I mean, Gary Bettman's not going to live forever. I mean, ultimately, this all stops at his desk. We can all point to George Peros, the the head of the player safety. We can point to Colin Campbell, the kind of behind-the-scenes dinosaur in the equation. But ultimately, this all comes to Gary's desk. You know, there was a report this week uh, out of New York that, that suggested that Bettman was the one that overruled Peros on an earlier Wilson hit this year on Brandon Carlo from the Bruins that was brutal. Peros was just going to give him a fine for that. Batman walks into his office and says no, and it ends up being seven games. That's a pretty big difference right there. This has always been in the commissioner's hands. All right. From Facebook, this serial goon should have been suspended for the rest of the season in the playoffs. Tim, you're next. Well, to respond directly to that Facebook post, you know, the incident itself, what Wilson did against the Rangers, had that been in an isolated situation, to the arguments that Wilson's backers keep saying, we're not reacting like this, but it wasn't an isolated incident. He had done things like this so many times. Something like that is in his power to do in Madison Square Garden and to do again in the playoffs. And look, let me say this, back to our conversation about who the Penguins might face. 
I would love for it to be Bruins versus Capitals in the first round, not only because then the Pens can get the Islanders, but then those two can beat the snot out of each other. And if there's one city and one team that's been as aggrieved by Wilson as the Penguins have been, it's been the Boston Bruins. And maybe some of their guys will go after him and try to get a pound of flesh before the Capitals eventually get to the Penguins. Or maybe Wilson, you know, extracts something from the Bruins before the Bruins advance to play the Pens. Mark? Mark my words. One year from now, or maybe two at the most, every team in the NHL will have a goon again. The league won't fix it. The league will never fix it. So since the league won't fix it, the teams will once again have to fix it. And a little side note, the cowardly New York Rangers, you watch, with their new GM, Chris Drury, they're going to bring back John Tortorella as the coach. Oh. And they will be a nightmare. They will become Goon Squad City. All right. Some Steelers to end this particular segment. Mark, national media has the Steelers at third, maybe even fourth in the division. Now that the smoke is cleared from the draft, where do you have them at this moment? Uh, I think they're no worse than third. And I don't think the Browns and Ravens are great teams by any means. So the Steelers, I do have them pegged third, but they could easily rise. But a big factor for the Steelers is going to be who they play in the first game. The schedule gets released on Wednesday, and if the league puts them in prime time at Kansas City or at Green Bay or at Buffalo and they get killed and then it's six losses and seven, the Steelers aren't good enough to dig their way out of a hole. They're going to be as good as their start this year, which is a total reversal because they weren't nearly as good as their start last year. All right, let's get back to Twitter. I think the Steelers have as much chance as any team in the AFC North. Uh, Dan, we also had some votes for fourth. What do you think? Fourth? Who did that? Yeah. Who's, who's picking Cincinnati ahead of the Steelers? Where do you see that? I mean, all Cincinnati did, to borrow one of Mark's favorite lines from his radio show, is go out and collect toys uh, in the draft. You know, they didn't get done what they needed to get done, which was to keep their quarterback from dropping dead in the backfield. Uh, I'm not buying that at all. I, I'm never excessively impressed by the Browns, and I wasn't last year either. Uh, remember, this team was really close to getting rid of Baker Mayfield, and Baker saved his Cleveland career with a playoff game that he didn't really do all that much in. Uh, same goes for Baltimore. I think the Steelers and Baltimore are head-to-head, -head, and it's not exactly gutsy predicting that the Steelers and the Ravens will duke it out for the first place uh, in the AFC North because they do that every year. Tim? Actually, what I say is they collect football cards. They didn't build a team. Sorry, Tim. Uh, I just don't think that the Steelers are going to slip so much that they're going to slip below the Bengals. But I also think what we saw at the end of last season was real. I think they patched some holes. Uh, I think they prevented some other holes from being created. But at the same time, they are bringing back a lot of guys that contributed to 1-5 down the stretch. So I think third right now is right. And I think they're going to have to scurry to get in as the seventh or sixth wild card. And as we all know, those last couple of positions so often come down to tiebreakers. And keep this in mind. This dovetails with what Mark was saying earlier about the start for the Steelers. They have faded abysmally over the last three years. There's one extra week in the regular season, and that extra week could lead to them being out as opposed to them being in if they go down their normal path, which is slide just enough, and maybe they don't fall out of the playoffs.
playoff race. Uh, Mark's talking about what's important in week one, and he's right. But at the same time, week 17 could be huge for this team, and late season collapses have been a problem the last three years. All right, thanks, everybody. When we come back, we're going to go around the horn on any topic. The final word is next. This is the final word. Welcome back. It's time now for the final word. Everybody gets a, champ, a chance, and uh, Tim Benz, you're first. Albie, I'll pick up where we left off before the commercial break on the Steelers, and I'll talk about T.J. Watt and how important he is this year as he was last year. He might need to be even better than what he was a season ago for the Steelers, where he's almost Defensive Player of the Year, and that's because there's no Bud Dupree on the other side. Alex Highsmith is good and learning, but I don't think he's ready to be the impact guy that Dupree was his last two years for the Steelers. And then after that, you don't have much of anything on the depth chart that's at all proven. Cassius Marsh, Quincy Roche, the sixth round pick out of the University of Miami. Not only does Watt have to be as good as last year, he needs to be even better to help Highsmith on the other side. And TJ, you're not allowed to get hurt. You can't even get a hangnail. You got to play all 17. All right, Mark, final word. Medina Spirit won the Kentucky Derby and then tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs. And his trainer, Bob Baffert, said, well, he didn't get them from us. We didn't give it to him. <laughs> oh, really? Did he get them from some guy at the gym or maybe a street dealer? Or maybe they got slipped into his mochaccino at Starbucks? I mean, come on. Where'd he get them? <laughs> Day in, final word. That horse is not getting my Hall of Fame vote. Uh, <laughs> Earlier this week, I covered Tyler Anderson out in San Diego, uh, flirting with a no-hitter against the Padres. Today, he was outstanding again. Eight innings against the Cubs, uh, only two runs. Uh, this guy is going to get traded. This guy should get traded. This is why you bring in the 31-year-old on a one-year, $2.5 million deal. You're hoping that he catches fire so that you can move him for prospects. I know there's going to be a push among some people. Go ahead and sign him. Just keep him. You can't do that. You can't veer off course here. All right. Thanks. And our final word now from social media. Pitt needs to hire a basketball coach with the last name of Miller. Barney Miller. <laughs> I don't know if he's available. <laughs> a very simple reminder. Join us on our streaming channel every Wednesday night at 730. It's halftime adjustments on WPXI now. And this week, right after that, we're going to have an inside the schedule show. Uh, Jenna Harner and Chris Carter join me. We're going to break down the release of the Steelers schedule for 2021. That's at 8 o'clock on WPXI now Wednesday. All right, that's that. I'm Albie Oxenrider for Mark Dane and Tim. Thanks for staying up with us. See you next time. <laughs>